This is Geek Gab with your host, Dordal and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, April 6th, 2019. We have a special guest today, author of a brand new action adventure, 80s style action movie, novel, Burrito Avenger. But before we get to that, um, you know what? I'm supposed to have something. I'm supposed to be upset about something and be ranting about it here at the start of this show. But I will honestly tell you, I spent a good five minutes while we were in the green room listening to everybody else talk. And I, I literally could not come up with a single thing I was really upset about. There's a lot of things going out there that I just shake my head and roll my eyes at. But I don't know. I don't feel particularly passionate about anything today. What about well, you, Darnell? Well, I'll tell you what. My week's been pretty busy at work, and I think you're right. It's been sort of a slow news week for geek stuff, wouldn't you say? There are some things I can laugh at, but most of that's happening in the political realm. I mean, which just isn't our shtick on the show, but but some of that stuff is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The uh, It's it's April uh, 2019, just for the record. Uh, this is life uh, for for any uh, archaeologists who are piecing together this audio a thousand years from now. Uh, just so that you know, uh, we're we're electing a new leader in 2020, and that campaigning for that leadership has already begun. I and, can, this is this is the world we live in. And the hilarious part is that anime memes are having a non-zero effect on the election. Non, uh, yes, that's that's the fun part. Uh, uh, 2015-2016 was a wild ride for anybody who was on the internet. Um, here's one thing, too. We just had an April 1st, approximately five or six days ago, I think, if I've done the math right. Um, <laughs> I didn't even see any cool April 1st stuff this year. Cool. I, well, are you kidding me? The, the internet's absolutely unusable on april 1st i'll tell you what this this, story, this is a story at work i'm i'm, I'm going to continue to dox myself on the show <laughs> I, I i work for shall we say a uh, giant global or globalist corporation and uh the word came down from marketing spread the word email basically to everybody we're not doing April Fool's gags this year. It was it was a company wide mandate. Sorry guys, no no funny stuff, no no goofy searches on Bing, no funny games, no fake products, nothing. Uh, so I it's possible that that Microsoft wasn't the only one who did it, but the the word the reasoning was because it didn't generate that much traffic. It didn't generate that much buzz for the brand, and it often created negative interactions with with the company, with the brand or the company. That, that's 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 corporate speak for everybody sick and tired of the stupid crap on the internet on April first. The one thing I found that I thought was hilarious that I felt assured would be some kind of April Fool's joke um, turned out to be real. And I just, I kind of felt dead inside a little bit. These are denim panties. 
<laughs> denim panty for women to wear, uh, presumably as underwear, although the site helpfully pointed out that they could also be worn on top of clothes. It turns out that not only was this not an April Fool's, but there are at least three different designers and companies selling them. Now, I, when I first clicked through the story, I came in at the high end, right? I came in at the $325 denim panties, which I thought was just a little bit much, uh, $325. Uh, for a pair of panties that was guaranteed to rub you the wrong way in all the wrong places. I, I just, you know, I wanted to know if any woman would actually wear that because that just sounds painful. And then I, I was researching this. I legitimately wanted to know that this was a, a April Fool's story. And the more I researched it, the more it actually turned out to be real, um, which was frightening to me. I was just like, that that's crazy. So I went to Amazon and apparently... At the low end, so the high end was $325 denim panties, and the low end was a pack of three for $8 denim panties. And I just, I, I didn't know what to do with that information, so I just threw up a tweet because <laughs> I mean, what the hell do you do at that point? Bargain basement shopping for denim panties. You are bargain shopping for denim panties. At that point, you might as well just go to the local Goodwill, get a pair of, of pants, and cut it out yourself. You know, <laughs> you know what I you know what I think about that? This this is the first week since Harambe that we have had a week where it was so calm that denim panties was the highlight of the week. This is the first time. I wonder if we are finally past the 2016 curse. It may be. That's that's a really good point. This uh this handsome devil, for those of you actually watching the live show on YouTube, this is our, our special guest, Adam Smith. It is good to have you on. Are are we supposed to be doing the video? Is that like a deliberate thing? Uh, yeah, we, we spoke uh, before the show. Uh, I, I mentioned that we've got some friends in chat. We've got uh, Bradford Walker, John Mollison, Emmett Fritz Hume, uh, Yakov Merkin uh, is here too. We got some friends here in chat and, and nice. he said, I, I need to show I need to show my face to these folks. So this is, this is a special live show. And anybody listening uh, to the podcast later, uh, they're fast forwarding right now. So. Welcome to the show. Thank you, bro. I've done so many video things. I do video seminars. I teach psychology topics. I teach all kinds of stuff. I've done so many videos lately. It doesn't even bother me to have my face right, right front and center camera on me all the time now. So it's all good. Well, that, that's fascinating. I'm going to ask about that because you mentioned uh, you mentioned here, and I think you've mentioned it online that you work a lot of jobs, and so mm -hmm. and and you're you're trained in psychology and and uh, is therapy the right word? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I am a licensed psychotherapist. I'm, I do have a specific license, but I'm not here representing them. So I'm not going to share what that license is. But yeah, I work as a licensed psychotherapist. Oh, my, uh, go ahead. My license in psychotherapy comes from being on the internet for 24 years. Yeah. Wikipedia is basically the same as a full master's program with licensure and apprenticeship. No, 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 no. <laughs> not Wikipedia dealing with people on the internet. Oh, oh, there you go. Okay. Blood and guts in the trenches kind of thing. That's yeah. pretty much. Yeah. That, that I can understand. We just had world autism awareness day. Did we? And I'm like, I, deb I debate on the internet 
every day is autism awareness day on the internet. That's true. That's true. The, the, the best thing is, uh, I think 4chan is the best source of autism on the internet. And and they've got accounts now that you can follow on Twitter that you don't actually have to go to 4chan and wade through all the garbage. They'll just pluck out the gems, like the real, the the real funny posts, and post them for you. Boy, that's amazing! It's like raw sewage straight to your veins. It's great. <laughs> well, it, it's like a, a a a deluge of raw sewage, but occasionally there are you know, antique pennies or copper coins or even gold coins. And somebody is taking the time to pan for those and then, you know, squirting them off and putting them on uh, Twitter. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's beautiful. It's a beautiful analogy of fortune. <laughs> <laughs> See, oh, why, why are you expecting me to say something there? <laughs> I've done two rants already this show. I think I think I'm well above my minimum required rantage. Uh, we, we, though. What was that? <laughs> we have a book though. Yes. And and what Maxwell Kane Burrito Avenger. Now I've just I've just described this to uh I've I've got my uh my dad's visiting this week. So I just I just had to explain it to him, but I can't wait to hear how you explained it. Well, <laughs> I, is, I I more or less used your line. I said, "Have you seen John Wick?" Yeah, I've seen John Wick. <laughs> well, it's it's John Wick, but the dog's a burrito. Yep, there you go. That's the best way to do it. So I would also add, if I were trying to explain it to my dad, that it was based off of a Twitter joke that I was in the thread where it was joked up. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I was there to see it born. I was there. I was laying in bed one night. And my wife and I, we had, um, we had just finished. No, 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 no. We had just finished watching One Punch Man. I know where <laughs> your brain was going. No, we had just finished watching One Punch Man. Some anime for, for you, uh, Dorno. Some anime. Um, and it was super manly. And I was like, I want to write stuff like that. I want to write more pulpy stuff. More like, oh, masculine stuff. How would I do that? I was thinking, well, the most really hardcore masculine thing I've read lately or watched lately was John Wick. All right, John Wick. Some guy killing a bunch of people. Then I was thinking, I got to have some gimmick, though. What would be a funny gimmick? I don't know. It was late at night. And I'm thinking of um, a show I really liked the first. Well, I liked the first part of the show, not the last part. Um, How I Met Your Mother was one of my favorite shows early on, one of my favorite sitcoms. Um, there's one episode where they're trying to find the perfect burger. And they're going to all these different restaurants. And they're going around, and they... They'd find this burger and they'd order it and they'd think it was the right one. They'd all take a bite and they'd eat it and say, this is so great. And, and then they'd say, no, this isn't it. And then there was one that was following one person that had not eaten like in 24 hours. And they would snatch the burger out of her hand before she could eat it and throw it on the ground and say, you can't eat this slop. And they'd throw it down and then they'd drag her out. And she got hungrier and hungrier as the show went on. Until um, eventually she's like eating garbage out of a garbage can kind of thing as they're dragging her through the streets of New York. I said, that'd be great. That'd be a fun little gimmick. But man, I can't do burritos because that's I can't I can't do burgers. That's their thing. What's my next favorite food? Burritos. And that was it. That was just it. And I said, this is the dumbest idea I've ever had. I need to put this on Twitter so other people can suffer with me. And boy, 
the response was big. People said, this is great. I can't wait. Do this, man. Here, how can I send you money right now? One, disturbingly, one person wrote me and, and said, if I wrote that story, they would name their firstborn child after me in honor of the story. So <laughs> I knew I had something when, when people are offering a child sacrifice like that, I knew that they would, there is something there. Um, I wrote the book, it took me less than nine weeks and I only get to write one day a week. So it took me probably about maybe nine days of actual writing spaced out over less than just under nine weeks. Um, and I ran my Kickstarter for a month. And then I threw it at Brian Nehemiah and said, make some sort of sense out of this pile of garbage. And he shot it back to me with 3,600 suggestions on a 60,000-word 60, book. Um, that sounds like Brian. Man, it was awesome. He did it great. Um, the book was, it was pretty good before he got it, but he polished that. He polished that turd. Um, now it's wonderful. It's beautiful. I read it and I laugh. People are shooting me funny quotes out of it. Um, it's good. It's a good book. Honestly, it's one of my, probably I've written three books. No, well, I've written five, but two aren't published. Um, out of all my books, it's probably the most fun that I've ever had. It was just fun because my writing process would be, what is the most ridiculous thing I can think of to add to this scene right now? I'm just going to do it because the audience will laugh and the audience will have a great time. And I don't have to worry about as much suspension of disbelief on this one because it's supposed to be a uh, 80s action flick it's corny it's cheesy i can throw as many cool lines in there i could just ugh, just get it all on the page and man that was one of the most fun books i've ever had in my life to write so hopefully people are enjoying it uh, that sounds liberating just to not have to have <laughs> any pretense of uh it doesn't have to be like john wick was dark and serious and mm -hmm. you know as as soon as that opening scene finished where where he loses uh his his best friend mm -hmm. and that's it you're all on board with him and you're like i want to see him wipe out the entire mafia yeah. and yeah, genocide commit genocide you would be morally right to commit genocide at this point because your dog is dead just go for it bro yeah it's it, it, it so it's it's great to just not have have to have that sort of weight to it just you guys know what you're going to get. I mean, look at the cover. I love the cover. I'm going to go back and I'll make sure that, that everybody who watches this show sees the cover. I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll make that our, our big, uh, preview panel. Awesome. Uh, as this is an awesome, this is an awesome cover. Cause it just, you know, it's a cartoon guy. He's raging out about this burrito. Can, can you tell me about the cover? Cause that's really fascinating to me. I really um, like that cover. So I, I've all, I've been in love with a, specific artist who worked with i'm gonna butcher her name dominica line um she does i the one we the two some awesome books yeah I've we've had her, we've had her on the show oh yeah, yeah okay yeah 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 um so i butchered her name she'll be horrified um no, no you you did you did you did much better than i did i i think i thought it was dominica and and she yep. came on on the show she's like it's dominica nice awesome okay i got it right there and i knew it i knew i was right um she and i should actually share a state i think up here i need to go have lunch with her sometime uh if you're listening hey call me we'll do it uh that cover though i loved some of the artwork on her cover so i asked her who she uses and she shot me to the guy who does it so i wrote up this draft and i said okay 
here's what I'm doing. And before you, before you dis delete this, yes, this is a serious project. I'm going to write a book called Burrito Avenger. And I need you to do the most ridiculous, over-the-top 1980s action movie poster that you can do. I need a guy shooting two guns and crying and screaming at the same time. I need a super hot blonde chick in the back. And I need explosions everywhere. I don't even care if there is a background. Just make it explosions. And he came back to me with that cover. And I said, this is beautiful. This is absolutely beautiful. I like up along the top, I have the character names. I wanted that to be like the actors on a movie poster. That's why those are up there. I wanted to kind of kind of give it that feel. So if some kid wants to blow it up and hang it on his bedroom wall, he could do it. And it would look just fine right alongside Demolition Man and Die Hard. That's uh, perfect. You nailed it. Or he nailed it. That's why <laughs> That's why I, I, I'm just wowed by that cover. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, we've talked to a lot of authors to, you know, to get nerdy about the business. We've talked a lot about a lot of authors that say that cover is pretty much the most important thing, well, aspect we, in getting in getting kinda. your book sold. That's, that's kind of right. Kind of right. Um, and and that that few covers are that perfect. Like, <laughs> it looks like a, an action movie poster. Like that's what you want. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, I love that cover, man. There was not one thing I would change about that cover. And I love in the background, tiny and little tiny red lettering. He actually, he put a taqueria in the background amidst all the explosions. And it says, best burrito in, in the very, very background on the top there. I thought that was just absolutely the, per the perfect little touch. <laughs> yep, you can see it rates right underneath uh, the word cane. <laughs> that's awesome i had so much fun naming the characters i was thinking what is the most ridiculously stereotypical well he kills everyone kane all right well what's the most stereotypical name for a female like pulpy love interest her last name is going to be valentine there you go man Easy. and then okay who's the enemy some guy someone with an awesome name legion okay what's a greasy italian name johnny johnny legion Bepper. and people just i just threw the most ridiculous names i could into the book and it just worked that's perfect uh so it's 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 not a parody it's just it's loving homage <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not a parody. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there. But it, it definitely, it man, I love action movies. I just do. If I could, I would watch nothing but action movies. My wife and I, action movies is our romance movies. That's what we watch when we have dates. Is something brutal, sword fights, gun fights. That's what we love. Uh, and John Wick, uh, I, I'd love to talk about action movies too. Mm. Uh, that's that's one of the staples here on the Geek Gab. Uh, but John Wick. It, since John Wick, uh, it's sort of put everything in its shadow. Is is any is there anything else that's come out recently that's good? That's a good question. Um, Action-wise, I haven't had much time to see movies. When you become an author, you don't get much time to enjoy any other creative work in the world. Um, it's kind of a tragedy. You're an author because you become an author because you love reading and stories, and then you can never, ever read a story ever again for the rest of your life. Um, as far as things that have come out that were good, you know, I did see something on Netflix. It was called, oh, I think it was just called Samson. Um, I don't know if it was a Netflix original. I don't know if it was that recent. I want to say maybe it was 2017. Uh, it was a little bit corny, a little bit cheesy, kind of felt like the Schwarzenegger, um, 
Conan the Barbarian movies. It kind of felt like that. It was awesome. It was just fun. It wasn't preaching at you about anything. My wife and I were watching it. We actually really enjoyed it. I remember that. I think that had a general release. I, I remember seeing several trailers for it. They they just kept replaying the scene over and over again where he's got the jawbone and yeah. And you're like, oh, oh. that was so good. I love that one, man. I'm a sucker for those scenes. If you give me some guy clubbing other people to death and there's just a pile around him, ah, man, you got me. Nice. Um, there was another action movie on Netflix called Triple Frontier that uh, got a lot of buzz when it had first come out a couple weeks ago or a month ago. Um, and it, it had a lot of great action set pieces in it. Hmm. Um, actually, I may have to take that back. It had some great action set pieces in it, but I think the ending was a letdown. Oh, okay. You know, Bright. Bright was a good one um, on Netflix. I liked Bright. That was a good, a good gunfight killing people movie. Yeah, that was. Uh, that was the Shadow Run with Will Smith, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Heck yeah. Um, oh, you know what was hilarious about that movie? Mm. Um, everyone was so offended when Will Smith smashed a fairy and said, fairy lives don't matter today. And they're like, oh, well, that's just making fun of <laughs> But the thing is, that line was improvised by Will. I mean, he <laughs> came up with it. Like on the spot, nobody wrote it for the movie, so everybody that's, getting upset about it. You're just shaking your head. You're like, guys, come on. That's ridiculous. That I love that. I love that movie even more now. Movies <laughs> like that. When I'm told that I'm not allowed to like a movie, it just makes me like it more. I, don't, I won't even if I've never seen the movie. It makes me like it more. Yeah, they did that with um, what movie was recent? Alita: Battle Angel. Yeah, yeah, where where the the critics were kind of fifty fifty on it, but everybody who went and saw it loved it. I didn't get to see that yet. I haven't. When something's in theaters, I got two little kids, and man, I don't have time to go theaters. But when they come on on pay per view or something, I'll pick it up. Is that worth watching? In your guys' opinion? Yeah, I liked it. Nice. Yeah. Okay, I'll check it's, that out because I yeah, love the, the manga. So the well, the, the thing is, is is that with action movies, sort of getting our eyes open with John Wick when when you go, oh that's a good action film. What, what have we been watching all these years? Yeah. And, and the, you know, the Marvel stuff keeps coming out and it keeps, you know, it's fine. You can, you can eat popcorn and watch Captain Marvel, but it's, it's not really a good movie and the action's all animated. Yeah. And, and Alita's uh, in the same style as a Marvel film, but the, it's, it's good action. It's, it's, oh, okay. it's watchable. It's interesting. It's, I it's not, it's it's not a great action film the way Die Hard or John Wick is, but it's yeah, it's fine as long as there's people dying and explosions and you know hot women or something. That's fine. That's all I really need. That's <laughs> what what do, what more does a human being really need? I mean, that's why you read the Old Testament is to get the explosions and the gunfights and. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm I'm not a I'm not a scholar. <laughs> You got to read between the lines, bro. They're in there. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So it, if if I go back and I read Flaming Sword, <laughs> yes, and I just mentally, I can do that. I right. Can do that. Like the jawbone of an ass. That's actually short for minigun. Got it. Got it. And uh, yeah, the the archangel comes down with the with the hot blonde at his waist mm -hmm. with the mm -hmm. with the flaming assault rifle. He's actually got it. a flying V guitar when the archangel descends. <laughs> um 
We have. Uh, I feel like we, I'm having some kind of acid trip. Listening to <laughs> now you know what's inside my head when I sit and write my books. Uh, this is awesome. The 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 dead air portion of the show where we're just <laughs> we're amazed at how weird that got. Um, that's awesome. I'm just. I'm just I'm trying to guess if you expect me to fill in all these little gaps here and there. No, no, we're good. I just let them rest. I just let them rest so that people could soak up the full visual (laughs) image. Um, So uh, your book is available on Amazon. It is. The audio book should be clearing. uh, Well, it cleared quality control already, so it'll post in six to eight years on uh, Audible. (laughs) Probably sometime this week or next week it should post. Uh, who did the uh, auto 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 book? JD JD Ledford. She's the one that does uh, Rob Cruz Cruz Rob Cruz. <laughs> she's the one that does a lot of his books, his um, Rex Nilo books. Um, so people can check that out on Amazon. And it sounds like I'm trying to end the show. I'm not trying to end the show. <laughs> We're just drawing this out. I mean, totally. It, it, it's see the thing is is. It doesn't sound like there's much to say other than, you know, read it. It's funny and it's awesome. There's a lot of action. Hmm. I mean, that's fair. Oh, that's what, fair. What, what are the odds now that we're, we're talking about all the, all the movies? What are the odds that you actually adapt a screenplay for this? I would absolutely love that. You know, I've had people jokingly mention that to me and oh. stuff like that. I would love to do a screenplay of something like this. Did I get a brag? It's time for me to brag a little bit. Ooh, okay. I'm all ears. S- several shows ago, like sometime this year, I guessed uh, that Nick Cole it was in talks with Amazon to uh, create an Amazon Prime video channel original show based on Galaxy's Edge. That was my guess, I said, uh, saying, okay, there's a couple of things he's been talking about, and I'm just reading between the lines and seeing that that that's where, you know, they were going with that. They were in discussions and stuff. And then just this last week, uh, Nick published a long list of projects he's working on, one of which is writing a script for some kind of video project mm-hmm. i saw that too man that gets that gets your blood tingling doesn't it so i of course tweeted it out because i was right <laughs> i was right i guess that's what was happening and absolutely it's happening now we may need further confirmation before we 100 establish how right i was but i was right that's fantastic. If that's the case, I will buy it three times on Blu-ray and I will fight California to get him to sign all three copies. He's one of the <laughs> few people that I will drop everything I'm doing to read a book when he write when he publishes it. So if he writes a screenplay, I know it'll be good. Well, that's awesome to hear. And and plus all the Star Wars fans ha- have to watch something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. That's true. Um my book. So you asked me, what more do you say about it? You know, I think it's it was meant to be fun. It was meant to be for people who are tired of corporate storytelling, where it has to be taken, played safe, where you have to do 
according to a specific kind of formula where you have to have X, Y, and Z, where you can't have too many car chases. You know, I think there's at least three car chases in my book. There's three or four helicopter chases. During one of the car chases, they're all different. During one of the car chases, he is fist fighting on top of the car against <laughs> other people while people are also shooting at him. So there's also a gunfight and it's a car chase scene and they're doing a Mad Max like destruction derby with the vehicles all three at the same time um that was fun to write that was a lot of fun to write i tried to just go over the top it is it is just meant for people to have fun i didn't want to preach at people i didn't want people to pick up the book and get halfway through it and be offended there's not much material in there that probably would offend anyone so if anyone's looking for an anti-sjw book i didn't really go there um it's just it's a palate cleanser it's it's between all the movies when you're trying to support the movies that thumb their nose at the establishment and then you're trying to avoid the movies from the establishment. I just wanted to get a, a good middle of the ground story for people who are just tired of the culture war who just wanted to have fun. That's what this book was really for. It was just to have fun, real, legitimate, over the top, out of control, borderline unethical fun. Yeah, I am sick. And I say this only because I've suffered through it recently, twice. I am sick, 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 sickity, 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 sick of TV shows and movies that are all about awful people doing awful things to each other. And there is no one moral or decent in the entire show. Um I watched the first season plus a couple of episodes of Halt and Catch Fire. People were telling me how awesome this uh, TV show was. And it's set during the early 1980s. People who were getting involved in the burgeoning computer uh, industry, like Windows 1, is just brand new. Uh, and they actually get up to the point where the Macintosh is introduced in in. 1983 uh, at Comdex, and it is awful. All the main characters are awful people. They're sociopaths who do awful things to each other, and the one good person on the show, the one good lady, decent lady, hardworking lady, at some point in the middle of the first season, goes out and hits on a married man and wants to start an affair and he doesn't want to. That's why it doesn't happen. And you're like, that's it. You took the one good, morally good person and just dragged her down into the gutter. And then the second uh, season started and they, and these people are getting worse and worse and worse. And you're just like, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm done. You know, you turn the engineer into a cocaine addict. Uh, you turn the mom into uh, a criminal who's buying fenced computers and stealing from fences. It's just like, I'm done. I'm out. That was one reason I got so sick of How I Met Your Mother as the seasons went on, because I think the writers much had changed. Early on, they were they were pretty nice, decent people. The ones who, the one who wasn't, um, or the one or two who weren't, they were they had legitimate problems, and they were supposed to be fixing them, and that was kind of the butt of the joke. But as the seasons went on, it was like, okay, let's see what moral things they can cross this episode. Let's just blow it all out. By the end of the show, you didn't care about most of the characters because they were just so immoral and so 
horrible to each other. Um, that's man, that's been you hit the nail on the head. Is that the writers that we have, corporate writers and Hollywood writers and all these writers, they don't know what morality is. Morality to them is relative, and everyone's just looking out for themselves. So when they go to write stories, it's just people looking out for themselves and screwing other people over because they think that's how the world really is because that's how they are. People people cannot conceive that anyone in the world is more moral than they are. That's the problem. When you have immoral people, they can't believe that there is anyone in the world truly more moral than they are. Everyone is the hero of their own story. So when you get those people writing stories that the rest of us are supposed to, to deal with and slog through, no. That's not something I want to read, and it's not something I want to write. Either your sitcom dies, friends, or lives long enough to see itself become Seinfeld. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, the other show I just watched was another one people were saying, oh, this is awesome, this is awesome. It was The Umbrella Academy. Um, is that a Resident Evil reference? That's what I was wondering. No. Because I, I would watch that. that yeah, that, that I would watch. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, it's sort of a superhero show, except the – this is how I described it on Twitter. The Umbrella Academy is the Dark Phoenix saga if all the X-Men were somewhat more gothic and also absolutely, totally, completely, 100% narcissistic assholes who would rather get high or whatever than stop the deaths of seven billion people it's the stakes of the show right from the beginning you're told this is about the end of the world and it's coming in a week seven days that's all they have before the entire planet dies and yet when they're trying to get these super-powered kids who grew up together to do something about it, they're all just filled with the most self-indulgent, maudlin, self-pitying bullshit. You just get sick of hearing them whine and whine and whine. And then they do awful things to each other all the time. Um, and, and you're just like, this is a superhero show. No, it's not. It's a narcissist show. And they can't even get their junk together long enough to actually stop 7 billion people from dying. It doesn't sound like anything I'd want to watch. Sounds like all modern young adult fiction. Uh, it's it's funny. It's a good point. You, you mentioned it's not a superhero show. It it seems to me that because superheroes are such a big part of pop culture, uh, there's a lot of people just cashing in on that, and they're not trying to write a superhero show. It doesn't seem that they, that they even care if they know what, what a superhero story is. They don't even care to write it. It's just another setting in which to write whatever stories they want to write, yeah. uh, Which which in the case of you know, sitcom or, you know, Netflix show producers, not stuff you want to watch. Well, when you have no moral code, when you have no moral fiber, you think superhero stories are about people with powers, and that's it. 
That's the extent of what a superhero show is. Then they go out and they write that, and then no one wants to watch it. Well, this this goes into a little bit of gaming news uh, from this week. The the same problem plagues uh, Vampire the Masquerade, the, the classic classic IP from White Wolf. Uh, do, you, do you ever play that much or any tabletop games? Me? Oh, gosh, yeah. I love uh, Vampire the Masquerade. I love Vampire the Requiem, too, the reboot, but Va- Masquerade had a lot more depth to it. Yeah, yeah, and that was a shame because they, they really, uh, you know, they re- re- rebalanced sort of the powers and things. But yeah. I, 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 is is what's your experience of a Vampire the Masquerade game like? What what How does it play out? <laughs> they are... Oh boy. I mean, you're fighting yourself inside your own head, basically. Everyone is fighting themselves and you're trying to play. Generally, people are trying to play moral characters who are continually dragged down by their own twisted nature, but you try to get back to that level. Um, that was my experience with it anyway, I guess. Well, that, that's really interesting. It sounds like you're actually playing it as intended. Yeah. Uh, most pe- so- I, m- Most of my games and most people I play with, it's a superhero game. <laughs> interesting okay. you're, you're like i don't really care about the masquerade i have i've got three dots in potence so i'm picking up that car <laughs> mm-hmm. right so and the same thing's happening with the vampire reboot where uh you've got a bunch of writers who are just treating the vampire setting as a way to Oh, no, no. You know, explore themes of 2018, 2019. And, oh, no. And, and you know, so they've got, like, uh, this really hill. It, it's, and and because it's vampire, they're playing this completely straight. Like, this isn't a parody, but it's some young, recently embraced Muslim, queer, uh, social justice warrior uh he's you know he's in as as a as a person he was always fighting for the downtrodden causes and then uh, and then he was embraced and he he didn't stop you know when when he became a vampire and he also fights for the marginalized kindred such as the anarchs and the gangrel and that sort of thing and and they play it straight like this isn't a parody Uh, so that's what i mean like they've got this framework and they're like okay vampires vampires are you know People who are cursed. You know, the, the backstory is they are literally cursed by God uh, to you know with with vampirism and but they, that also kind of gives them cool powers because because the devil's like you know what the, these are awesome how about you know how about you have mastery over the physical world and undead and and then, so yeah you're playing these monsters like you said you're you're con- that that conflict between the the that darkness and you that human that you used to be right. But but they're just using that as a framework to tell these, you know, just whatever stories they want. Are they going to introduce an entire new clan based around free bleeding? I <laughs> do not know. I I don't think they've introduced any new. The the Paradox Interactive are the ones who uh, basically own all the licenses now, yeah. and it's there. It's it's social justice infested. It's a Swedish company. Yeah, well, that's um, why White Wolf got swallowed up. Was that social justice outrage? Anyway, there's no hope for that company at this point. So, and the funny thing is, is that uh, like uh, Steve Wyke and uh, Justin Achille and and like all these people that sort of that made White Wolf great, they they kind of are that sort of left leaning 
social justice leaning types. But remember, they were part of the counterculture in the '90s, and they, that you know, they they you know they had goth strippers at their at their their parties at Dragon Con were infamous for for debauchery, right? Um, and they all got pushed out. Yep. They they dissolved White Wolf and they pushed out. Um, and and brilliant guys like like a Chili uh, is a uh, you know he's I think he spearheaded some of the V twenty project and everything like that. Like even those guys got sort of pushed out. They were they were the prototypes for the people who pushed them out. And now it's it's and and Paradox is is complete. But Paradox is a pretty good business. They're not yeah they're they're adding a bunch of dumb stuff to the storyline, you know, from my perspective, but they're not adding a bunch of new clans. They're not adding, um, they're actually, they've worked with uh, longtime fans of the card game, uh, Vampire the Eternal Struggle. Like they finally worked with people and, and, and got whatever licensing problems with Wizards of the Coast squared away so that they could start producing the card game again, right? Like they're not, like business-wise, they're not stupid, but the I I don't know what they're doing with the narrative, because I because White Wolf used to have that finger on on the pulse of the counterculture, mm-hmm. and and back when they were popular, that was the counterculture. It was goth kids. It was it was dark. It was subversive, uh, and and that's completely flipped around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is going to be Vampire the Emo is basically what we're going to get, where they're trying to be goth, but really it's just a show because they need attention. Yeah. Um, I just to circle back around to literature. Um, people have forgotten how to tell good stories because they're trying to force everything to match this completely insane template. Um, where instead of telling a good story, they're just trying to fill it with woke moments. I mean. You would look at Alita and you would think, man, shouldn't feminists love this? It's about a woman who is, you know, kicking ass, who's physically stronger than the men around her, who, you know, is devastating on the field of battle. Shouldn't that be a movie that they'd love? And yet they all had to go to Captain Marvel because it isn't enough to actually have a kick-ass female character. They What they truly want is a movie where they uh, spit in the faces of their imagined enemies, where they can get revenge, where they can be, you know, mouthy or angry at the people that they really, really dislike. And so it isn't enough to actually have um, strong characters. You have to insult you know strong female characters you have to insult males you have to insult um christians or republicans or people who like trump it isn't enough to make a strong character you have to go out there and smash up the people they consider to be the enemy um and And so that's why Alita wasn't loved is because they don't want that. They just want a chance to get revenge on people. 
they want propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they think that white men are, are bad and evil. And so straight white men are bad and evil. Um, and so they need a character who embarrasses all the straight white men around her. It yeah. isn't enough for her to be good. They all have to look like idiots. No. Yeah. Captain Marvel made a lot of money off of white dudes taking their wife and their wife's boyfriend to the movies so he could show how good he is. It's just, it's, it explains a whole lot of what they're doing. It's that, you know, it isn't enough for it to be a good movie. It isn't enough for it to have good characters. They really, what they want is um, to rub it in your faces because they think that getting revenge on you uh, is what makes women stronger. That women are best when they're at their realistically moral worst. Yeah, that that makes them the best because that's like men, right? Then she's being like a man. Then she's hurting people and enjoying hurting people. That makes her a good character. She's a strong woman because look how much she enjoyed hurting that guy. And I, I kind of feel bad for people who are either in a um, who are in an industry where they have to do that just to get published, or they have to do that just to survive, um, or people who you know genuinely want to do it, um, generally want to make bad movies because they. You know, they think that's what makes for good movies. They think that good movies are what makes uh, that bad. Doing bad movies is what makes for good movies. It's insanity. Um, and and every time I've seen something like this now, all I happen to think is the Pulp Revolution and these authors that I know and Superverse SF, they're not big right now in terms of you know making an impact on the culture, but. They do not hate good stories. They do not hate good movies. They love good stories and they love good movies. And it's just going to take some time and, and practice for them to be big, but they are already better writers or rather already better storytellers than everyone in Hollywood because they know enough not to make every single movie kind of a take that Um for uh, uh, against whoever they think of the enemy. That's a fair point, hundred percent. And I'm I'm right there with you. I think Pulp Rev, and you know what? There are probably dozens or hundreds of groups like Pulp Rev out there that we don't even know about, that we're not even connected to, because we're all so little, right? We we sit here. I have people writing to me all the time saying, "Oh, Burrito Avenger, it's so big. Adam, you're so big. Oh man, you're such a big guy." Other authors looking up to me. You know, I've sold like 125 copies of Burrito Avenger with the Kickstarter and Amazon. <laughs> it's 125. And people are like, how did you sell 125? And I'm looking at this going, I've only sold 125. Um, I'm looking up at people like Nick Cole. And meanwhile, he's looking up at some other guy. Yeah, we're not big right now. Um, maybe we never will be. But every bad movie, here's the thing. Every bad movie that gets made every bad book that gets held up in the in the new york times bestseller list right every every new star wars novel that comes out um 
Every awful work that is shoved in the face of the public makes people hungrier and hungrier and hungrier for real storytelling. And eventually someone's going to stumble across one of our groups. Some big name is going to say, holy crap, look at these guys. Look what they're doing here. Look what we found under this rock stewing in here. Oh, look at all these books. And something is going to give and the public is going to stampede in that direction, right? There's a reason Stan Lee became Stan Lee. There's a reason that Marvel got big with the storytelling that they were doing. There's a reason that John Wick resonates with all of us and blew up from some little stupid thing to something big. My son, he's two years old. He watches that, oh gosh, that stupid um, clay action, um, claymation Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We watched it with him over Christmas. Now he won't stop asking to watch it. I have to watch that stupid thing several times a week. And uh, man, I, I don't know if I could take it much longer. The Raven Pass. Yeah, please send help. Um, but, but I was sitting there with my wife and I said, do you think that when they made this stupid claymation movie, that they had any idea that 60, 70 years later, it would be on DVD in every home in America and people would be obsessively watching it every Christmas. Do you think that when they wrote this, that they just said, ah, screw it. It's some stupid thing for kids. I mean, there's one part at the beginning where the daddy reindeer is talking and he puts his head down his horns. His antlers just crumple and melt forward into a ball. And they didn't even bother to fix that. They just left that scene in. Um, I wonder if they had any idea the hunger for that story that people were going to grab onto that. And I think that's probably what a lot of us, pr probably 60 years from now, people are going to say, I wonder if John Delarose had any idea about his steampunk books. I wonder if Adam Smith had any idea about Burrito Avenger. You know, I wonder if all, all these people in our Pulp Rev movement, I wonder if, I wonder if, 60 years from now, that's going to be us because we're, we're the only ones telling stories that people actually want to hear. Amen. I think the audiences are going to be, once they find works that are better at telling stories, um, I think they're going to turn away from bad stuff uh, like, well, they don't have an alternative right now, but yeah, yeah I think don't. you're right. I think you're right. Um, that, I think you're definitely right there, bro. How do we do that though? <laughs> How do we do that? Do we take out billboards on the side of freeways? Do we, uh, do we do, ah, man, I don't know. Should we all go break dance in the middle of town square somewhere in New York city and, uh, you know, hold up pulp rev banners. How do we get that word out? I think that's the challenge right now. How do we get more visible beyond the hundred or thousand people or whatever that follow all of us? How do we break out of this little pit that we're in? I, I'm going to give my honest opinion about that. And I don't mean this opinion to hurt anybody's feelings or to insult anybody. Huh. I think that what everybody in the Pulp Rev and Superversive SF movements needs to do is work harder to become better. Um, I understand that only selling, you know, a hundred copies or 150 or 200 copies is dispiriting when you've put all your heart and your effort into this, you put money in terms of getting it edited and getting a nice cover. I understand it's dispiriting to not see that book succeed 
as well as you hope. Um, but I have to believe that with rededication to practice and rededication to learning to write in language that will connect with the audience. Um, I love John C. Wright. I love John C. Wright's books. He is a great writer, but he writes using a very, very broad vocabulary that is too complex for general audiences. It's just not, um, he just includes sentences that are uh, too complex, words that are a little bit too complex. And to see bigger success, that would be the advice I would give him is to say, hey, you got to write, you got to bring it down just a little bit. I mean, you were a lawyer and you were trained to write as a journalist and you just got to understand that normal people, they're not going to understand or be able to stick with you through every twist and turn in a single sentence. Write something that's simpler, that's more direct, that has a smaller vocabulary than you're capable of using. And I think you'll, if you do that consistently, you'll be able to start building an audience of, of regular people because that's who we have to, that's who we have to contact. That's who we have to draw in. We have to draw in normal everyday people because there are a lot of normal everyday people who do read a lot of books. And there are a lot of no normal everyday people who used to read a lot of books that I think we could reactivate if we got um, the right works put in front of them. But what we have to do first is practice, practice, practice to make the books the best we can and then step back and brutally assess your work and say, you know what, my language is great, but maybe if I did this one thing or did this other thing, it might be more, uh, might be more appealing or whatever you have to do. Identify weaknesses in your writing, be honest about them, accept them, and then work on them. Go into this with meekness, being willing to learn from other people and yourself, and go into this with humility to look at your work and say, this is what I need to do to make my work more appealing. Um, and it hurts me to see the pulper of putting out books that I love that aren't getting a lot of response from audiences. Um, John Mollison's Adventure series. He's had two books, I believe, so far. Uh, the first one was spectacular. Uh, I just loved the concept. I loved uh, how it played out. Um, you know, I loved the the all the embassies on the one island, and each of them was done up in a separate ancient civilization. You had, you know. Uh, medieval China, you had the Vikings and so on and so forth. And I would have liked to have seen that get more um, more exposure to be more successful. Um, and, and it hurts me to see people in the uh, pulp revolution not being as successful as, as uh, I, I want them to be. But right now, the biggest, the most... Uh, effective means of selling people is to keep on relentlessly improving your style, 
Make your style something that's approachable, that the audience will love, relentlessly improving your composition of your word choice so that you don't have uh, convoluted or awkward sentences and uh, relentlessly improve your, your plotting ability um, to make stories that flow and that things that happen are uh, inevitable yet surprising. Um, and so more so than figuring out how to sell through um, through Amazon or through Facebook ads or through whatever, I would just want the people in the Pulp Revolution to work hard to invest in improving the quality ruthlessly, um, directly and purposefully. And then I think that you will be in a really good uh, in a really good position to capitalize on advertising once you have a book that's uh, that's great, that's motivating, and that's sticky, that people love so much they go out and tell other people about it. I agree with you 100%. I think close on the heels of that would be then the other side is the worst thing that could happen to you is that you get that big publicity boost at a time when your books are bad or low quality or something that pushes people off because then it gets your mouth, your name tastes bad in their mouth for a while after that and takes a while to recover from that. So maybe that's a good way to put it is prep for the time when you're going to have good publicity. Be careful because when that comes, you get one good shot. That's, that's, I, you know, I love, I love most of the guys in the pulp rev, you know, all of them, all of them are good guys. I have no beef with anyone. Um, there are some pulp rev authors that I love and I love reading their stuff and I enjoy it. There are some pulp rev authors that it it's like pulling teeth sometimes reading their books or reading their material. Um, sometimes I've stopped partway through a pulp rev book because it's just the quality is just something I, I can't enjoy and I'm not going to make myself read it. Um, I think that that's what we need to focus on all of us individuals. We're individuals. It's not like this is a collective. Um, but I think that's the biggest challenge before Pulp Rev is quality because people stumble across us. And a lot of times the bad works give the good works a bad name. I think that, and I'm, I'm not putting myself up in the good works. I'm not putting anyone in the good or bad works. I'm just saying, raise the bar, raise the quality, hire, hire Brian Nehemiah. <laughs> He's, he kicked my butt and he made me better. My early works were atrocious. He'll ruthlessly show you what's wrong with you. He won't even, he won't hold any punches. You better not cry when he does it. I think that that's something we have to do in the Pulp Rev movement. And I don't know if that means we need to police ourselves and be harsher on our, on our own members and share un, unkind feedback as necessary. Um, I don't know. I think that's all of us, though. Each one of us, like you said, has to ruthlessly improve ourselves because you get one good shot. When that publicity comes, you better hope that you've done the work. And you better hope the publicity doesn't come before that work is done. Because you get one shot, bro. Make it count. I just, I, I really care about the success of the Pulp Revolution and the success of all the authors in the Pulp Revolution. I mean, like you, I'm not angry at anybody. I don't have beef with anybody. Although there are a couple of people apparently I've offended uh, one way or the other. Uh, and I am, you know, I regret that. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't have a grudge against anybody and I want to see, uh, everyone in the pulp revolution maximize their chances of success and eventually become successful. Um, right. and, and that means you have to labor in obscurity for a while. Right. 
I will. You know what? Here's what I'm going to do. My schedule is extremely tight on reading books. Um, extremely tight because I'm working four jobs. And I have two little kids. But here's what I'm going to do. I am not the end-all be-all of authors. I'm not. I, I will say that my books consistently get almost perfect review scores. I will say that my quality is probably higher than many authors in the pulp rev. Not all of them. There's some that outshine me, definitely. Um, so here's what I'm going to do is if, if anyone in the pulp rev movement wants some advice, if anyone feels like their quality is not high, if anyone just doesn't know where their quality is, if you want unfiltered, brutal feedback, if you're prepared for that, shoot me a copy of your book. Let me know. I will read the at least the first quarter of the book. I will read it. I will give you what I genuinely, honestly think. If your prose gives me an actual headache, I will tell you that. I will tell you what is wrong with your book. I will tell you all the awful things. I will do that so that you will be a better author. I'm not going to do anything to be mean and cruel to people, but it will hurt and I will offend people. And if that makes people angry at me, it is what it is. You asked for it. Does that sound like a good, fair deal? Sure. Cool. I just, I, I'm the same way. I want us to grow. I want all of us to grow because the people in the pulp rev, whether they have the skills and the practice or not, they have the passion. They have the passion and they know the morality. They know how to tell a superhero story, not a super douchebag story. Yeah. And, and that already gives them a leg up on, on authors who are big is because right. you know how or what tools to use to tell a story better than they do. You know, the virtue of romance, you know, the virtue of not just, you know, falling in love romance, but the virtue of adventure and wonder and, a you know, a big stage where all of these things that are attractive and glamorous and uh, motivating that touch your deepest heart and soul that stir the stir the reader you know how uh you know what those are and you don't rule them out and so those are available for you to use in your stories so much stuff that is a strength right now is just avoiding the bad crap that hollywood tends to do it's 100 percent right so yeah well I think we're close to out of time. Is there anything else uh, you guys want to chat about before we wrap up? You got anything more, Pig? Anything stewing um, in that noggin? I'm cool. That's that's just what I've been thinking. Those are the thoughts I've had over the last couple of weeks. As I'm a great you. challenge for the pulp rev guys. Uh, yeah, they you're uh, they definitely have the passion. Uh, if if I wrote things, I would send them to you, and and get shredded. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's gonna be mean. I'm gonna be mean, almost mean, mean in a loving way. Loving <laughs> tough love. It'll be oh. horrible. Oh, it'll be horrible. I'll probably make some people cry. I'll probably make some people mad. People probably will avoid me in the group chat. Maybe they'll even mute me on Twitter. Um, if you can stomach that kind of hard feedback, I'm happy to give it because I want to make us all stronger. I want people to see Pulp Rev and say. Pulp Rev stands for quality, and they police their own people, and they make it work. And I want that. That's what I want. That's really what I want. And for that to happen, we got to all step up to the plate. Yep. All right. Well, time uh, for the outro. 
let's let let's do it. I I'm like to thank you for coming on again, Adam. It's uh, great to have you on. Thank you for having me. Um, and thanks to everybody in the chat hanging out. Uh, a lot of Pulp Rev guys in the chat. Uh, either either they're they're preparing to send you an email or they're they're shaking their fists at you right now. It's all good. That's <laughs> all good. I'm uh, it's used to that. Much love to everybody in chat. Thanks for hanging out with us, uh, everybody. Um, I too want to thank everybody who showed up in chat uh, and uh, thank Adam for coming on the show. Um, I have already bought Burrito Avenger. I haven't had a chance to read it because, well, you that's that's just the way things are right now. But I hope, I really do hope to, to get to it soon. Um, and I just want to remind people that uh, this show we broadcast, once again we're broadcasting uh, just about every Saturday, just about the same time, um, 2 p.m. Eastern, and so on and so forth, um, all the way down to, uh, you know, all the way down to noon mountain time and so on and so forth. Um, and I want to remind you that you can get us on youtube.com slash geekgab. That's youtube.com slash geekgab, where you can get this show, listen live, and interact with our unusually intelligent and uh, amazing audience members. And you can also watch uh, earlier shows. You can go back through all the many, many shows of Geek Gab that we have done. But if YouTube is not for you, we are available on the Google Play Store. We are available on SoundCloud.com. And we are available on the iTunes Store. Just do a search for Geek Gab. And we are available for you to listen to and love. I, your host, am signing off. And my co-host is signing off for this week. But don't you worry, don't you fret, we will be back.